Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Catch and Shoot podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot goes well with both red and white and is perfect with a workout of your choice. Our co-hosts are on both coasts and they have all of NBA Nation covered. Adam Stanko in the Bay Area and Noah Kozlov in the Big Apple. You know, I quite honestly had to learn how to use them because I used to tell Alan, if you're the point guard, your idea is to try to beat five guys because of your competitiveness. If I could get you to figure out to play off the ball and us figure out ways to get you the ball and have people around you to sacrifice and allow you to do those things, it would be easier for you. And it it took him a while to understand that, but eventually I think he became the most exciting player to ever play, maybe. Um, and it was it wasn't easy for him, and there were a lot of things that, you know, I had to learn to adjust to, and I had to surround him with players that, you know, truly accepted and allowed Allen to be Allen. Um, and it, it's probably one of the greatest, you know, things that have ever happened in my life. Um, you know, I think if I had to do it all, all over again, I could have done better in terms of him. But uh, pretty excited about what he accomplished. And it helped me so much to be around him. And now the more I look back on it, uh, even though there were some heartaches involved in it, it was probably one of the most important times of my life. You've said that you could say almost anything to Iverson privately, but if it was in front of a group or his teammates that, that he couldn't handle it, how did you discover that? <laughs> Probably the first time I ever, you know, tried to coach him. Um, he had so much pride, which made him so great, that it was hard for him to accept anybody to get on him in front of the group. But that being said, in privately, we could, we could share anything with one another. Um, and he accepted, you know, coaching and what I was trying to do. But in front of the group, it was very difficult. So the only way I could get things across to Alan in front of the group was to get on Eric Snow or Aaron McKee or Theo or Dikembe or Tyrone. And they understood, you know, why I was getting on them. And Alan had such a love for his teammates that he would get get 
get upset with me, you know, which was kind of, kind of interesting, but it, you know, there are a lot of things, you know, we can talk about practice and him not coming and him not caring about it. But every time he stepped on the court to try to play a game, you knew he was trying to win no matter what and would take full responsibility for whatever happened. And his teammates admired that. Um, you know, teammates, some teammates couldn't play with him. Um, you know, every year, everybody kept telling Billy King and myself and ownership that we needed to bring in other scorers to play with him. And in so many cases, that was not a good thing. You know, he needed different kind of players around him to allow him to do the things he was capable of doing. Um, so it didn't always work out, but um, maybe the greatest small man ever to play, maybe had the greatest heart of anybody, maybe the toughest player to ever play. I don't know. I think you'd be hard-pressed to tell me anybody any different. Yeah, and I know Adam and I both grew up in the Philadelphia era, so we're certainly not going to agree disagree with you on how tough Iverson was. Is there a – did you have a moment with – with Iverson that you thought that you'd never get over? (laughs) That's comical. That happened every day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, every day it was like going to church and going to confession and then, you know, saying everything's going to be all right tomorrow. But, but again, um, you know, my relationship with him now is only growing and growing gotten better and better I brought him back to SMU to talk to my team and um, I think everybody whoever plays this game ought to hear Alan talk because he tells you the good and the bad the things he could have done differently he doesn't make excuses but it's it's amazing I think the league should hire to let him go around and tell these young kids um, until it you know, I haven't been coaching the last few years, but um, everywhere I go in the airports, a lot of people don't know my name, but they know I coach Allen. Huh. Um, every team that, you know, uh, that I've been invited to watch play, um, after practice, kids come over to me. Um, and always ask me about Allen, and almost everyone would tell me he's their favorite player ever. Uh, it's just remarkable. I, I, you know, I like to tell him about that because I used to get on him all the time to let him know that he never realized the positive effect he had on people and how many people you know, just admired him. And there were certain things that if he would just, you know, try to be a little bit different, that he could have so much more of a positive effect on young kids. And it was difficult for him because he had, he had so many people that were in his ear. He had so many people he was taking care of. Uh, it was it was not easy for him, but in, in terms of the effect he had on the game and his teammates and me, um, even though there were days that were difficult. Right. I, in, in those private moments, did 
did he open up to you about everything else that was going on in his life? Was he was he more vulnerable in those one on one moments? Oh yeah, he. We both opened up to each other because you know I, everybody has things that you know sometimes you have to share with other people that you care about, know care about you, but uh, but it, I, I, again you know you look back on it and you hope at the time you did the very best you could with them. But I look back on them. There are so many more things now that I wish I could have done better. Um, but, uh, again, I was lucky to have the coaches around me that I did. I'll give you a funny story. The first time I ever took Alan out of a game when he walked by the bench, he kind of MF'd me, um, and I almost jumped up and wanted a fight, and my coaches just kind of pulled me down. And I took him out at the end of the first quarter because it gave me a chance to give him a long rest, and then I put him in at the beginning of the second quarter. And then I did it at the end of the third quarter. Same thing happened. Um, you know, because the guy hated to ever leave the court. He wanted to play 48 minutes every game. And, you know, emotionally, he's going to tell you exactly how he feels. And if you get sensitive to that, you know, you're not going to be able to handle it. But people have been on my ass to write a book. Um, and I only, always wanted to write a book to share what I was taught. You know, just not a show-and-tell book, a basketball book because I played for the greatest coaches of all time. If, if you go back over who I played for and I coached the greatest players and I sat next to the greatest coaches and I wanted to share the, their ideas, but I, I could never think of a title. And now I coached Allen 600 games and he MF'd me 1200 times. So that would be the title of my book. <laughs> Well, we oh, can start funny. the we can start the audio book with this with this podcast. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I I was I was going to ask you, you know, in dealing with with Iverson and having this relationship you did and trying to figure him out, I'm always curious. In addition to the coaches, what what other players that you were around that that experienced greatness and competitiveness? Did you talk to about your relationship with Iverson and how to get through to him? I mean, were there discussions with Michael Jordan or with David Thompson or guys in the past? I know you've referenced the fact that Rick Barry was a guy that didn't really like to practice, but brought it on game day. So, so when you think back to the players that you had relationships with, who did you reach out to in, in those circles and, and try to discuss your relationship with Iverson about? Well, I played with Rick, Rick, before Rick hurt his knee, he might have been the greatest player I ever saw. Man, it was unbelievable when I was with the Oakland Oaks. But he used to frustrate Doug Moe and I like crazy because, you know, he didn't like to practice. David, you know, was – people don't realize how good David Thompson was, but they were way before Allen. After Allen, everybody else, whoever I coached always asked me about Allen. Um you know, because I really, as great as Michael was, and it's, you know, and, you know, we we all know 
nobody could be any better than Michael Jordan, even though it's hard to – I don't think it's fair when you talk about Bill Russell or Will Chamberlain or Jerry West or Oscar Robinson, you know, or Kareem, to compare players. They're all different. Larry Bird, Julius, I, I they're all different. They came from different eras. They played, you know, at, at different positions. But Allen, I mean, so many people just love this guy. Uh, and they had reason to because, you know, you know the passion of the fans in Philly. When, when you walk on the court in the arena in Philly and, and you see what Allen did night in and night out, knowing what he was going through physically, to not love him, uh, you had to be really callous. To not appreciate what he was trying to do. And all the players I coached, you know, would always ask me about guys like David Robinson, like David Thompson, if they knew it. Like, I would always bring up players that I coached you know, and admired in the qualities that they had. Um, it's, you know, I I look at that Philly team, you know, when you, people always laugh at me. And I knew we would beat the Lakers in 2004 because if we would have been healthy in 2002, I thought we, I don't think, you know, you could say we would have beat the Lakers because they were phenomenal, but we'd have had a healthy Matt Geiger or if Matt would have played or had George Lynch or, you know, Aaron McKee and Eric Snow playing on bad legs. You know, I don't know what that team might have done in that series. But if you look at that roster, you'd shake your head and say, how the hell did that team get to the finals? <laughs> you know, we got Roger Bell out of the YMCA. Mm-hmm. You know, just before the season ended. But the reason they got to the finals is because of the character of that group and because of Allen Iverson's greatness. Um, and I think everybody in Philly, you know, I can't tell you how many people tell me when I go to, back to Philly that that might have been their favorite team, even though, you know, we won with Julius when Billy Cunningham was coaching and, you know, we won when Alex Hannum was there, but they appreciated that team because of the way they played and the way they competed. Um, it's it's it makes me feel great. I, I I wish I wish Allen was you know more connected instead of just being an ambassador. I, I wish he was part of that that organization because I think every every person would benefit by being around him and having him, you know, talk about his experiences and, you know, his love for that city and love for that team. He kind of needs. That was dope. What's it like playing with Allen Iverson on, on a daily basis? So much fun. Um, the guy's incredible. Pound for pound, I think the best player ever, pound for pound, and uh, just has a an amazing desire and plays every game that it's, is last and sacrifices his body. And it just it just 
killed him to lose. So he did everything in his power to will us to victory. And he had the skill and the athletic ability and the toughness to do that a lot. And so just being on the court with him was, uh, was a ton of fun. And I, I think at one point, somehow we were playing the Raptors and we get out on the break and it's, it's Iverson and I on the break, like two on. Oh, I don't even know how that, how that happened. How I even got ahead of anybody. And he was in a race to be the scoring leader. I think he may have won the scoring title that year and every point counts and he could have laid it up and he, for some reason he gave it to me and I slammed it down. And I just, I just remember, you know, some of those, those moments of how much fun it was to be on the court with him. Cause he just, he played so hard and, uh, you'd never, uh, he would never quit. So he was just, he was just a ton of, uh, ton of fun to be around like a larger than life uh, personality that you just, he had this, you know, this, uh, he just, his teammates wanted to be around him. You know, fans wanted to be around him. And uh, we, we loved him in, in Philadelphia. It was a, you know, a huge reason why we, why that team was so successful. I think everybody really understood their roles that uh, he was, uh, I think he, I think he dunked on me in practice one day. I think it was, I was guarding for the pass, and he just went straight up and dunked it on me. He's like, "Come on, Todd, you, don't you remember at Georgetown? I I could jump. You don't know I could do this." And I was like, "No, nah, I, I was pretty well aware that you could do that." It just <laughs> he dunked on me quite a quite a bit. Huh? Do you ever uh, do you ever go to Fridays with him after a game? I did. Yeah, I went to Fridays with him. Oh, well, I wasn't with him. I you know when I first got there, I was learning a lot, and he was like, "Have you met Alan?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "Yeah, he's he's awesome." I, I know, and and people get talking about Fridays, and I thought Fridays must be some nightclub or some some prop, some popular <laughs> Philly club called Fridays. And then I find out it's you know TGI Fridays right there by you know Pecom on City Line Avenue, and that's yes. where he would hang out. And and I went there with my Winnipeg friends, and we were sitting in a different booth, you know, close to the bathroom. And so at some point, Alan got up from his group of friends and walked by my table to use the facilities. And we'd been teammates for I don't know a month or two, and you know, I loved the guy and had we had a, we had a good rapport and. And I'm like, hey, Alan, uh, I don't mean to bother you, uh, but can you sign an autograph for my friends from Winnipeg here? And they were like, yeah, sure, man. I'll, you know, I'll sign sign an autograph for your friend. I'll take a picture. But he looks at me and he's like, but who the hell are you? And I'm like, what? He's like, gotcha, sucker. I'm like, that is not funny, Alan. You're making me look silly in front of my friends. And he's like, yeah, sure. But who are you? I'm like, what? Are you serious? He's like, come on, man. I'm just messing with you. Don't take it so seriously. So, you know, I think he, and I used to, play around you know i think uh he was there with his friends and i think i was there with my wife one night and we came out and he was making fun of big guys like yeah you you big guys you just lumber down the court and you you do this and you i'm just a big guy post up and and then i just i think i did something like oh you know what should i do what you do and i just like fell like i just hit the deck outside of tj friday's like go to the lane and pretend to get fouled and go to the free throw line and just you know just fell down the ground his friends thought that was kind of funny that i was imitating an iris and drive you know drawing contact and getting some of those star calls <laughs> do you have a a microcosm, a, a detail that you remember about Iverson that can sum up what it was like being around him every day? Uh, well, I don't know. Like, it's probably nothing different than what, you know, fans watch. But just to sit there, and at the time we sat courtside, and to watch a 165-pound player who was just an incredible athlete go in there against those big guys and slither around them and get knocked to the ground and get a bucket and get back up and just do it repeatedly time after time was just an incredible, uh, you know what I mean? You were watching one of the greatest players at that position, at that size ever to play our great, our game. Um, 
And, yeah, he was phenomenal. Just to get shots of, like Larry Brown used to say, to get 20 shots, 25 shots off in an NBA game, just the attempts is an amazing feat in and of itself. So, yeah, he was a special talent. And uh, to watch him, you know, call for the crowd by putting his hands in the ear and then get 20,000 people to respond, mm-hmm. it's not unlike what Ben Simmons did last night or what Joel did. Imagine that. That's like Mick Jagger standing at the – that's like a solo artist, not the stone yeah. or Bruce Spring. That's like one guy standing on the stage and getting that reception. Uh, you know, it's – it's pretty neat, and it's you know like you're you're into the, the the heartbeat of everything that's going on when you're that close to the action, and it's it's really exciting, and that's the whole thing about being a part of live sports, even as a fan. That that's why we pay big money to go to these events because it's special. I mean, it's it's awesome. Our, our our sport translates so well to television. Hopefully, you know, we bring a little bit of that in the radio. But to be there, like the other game when the Sixers had Bryce Harper ring the bell. I, I'm not sure. I think it was one of our last. It might have been the first game. I guess they played Saturday. So it was toward the end of the season. And they keep this a little shrouded, but the Sixers, their introduction is kicked off by a celebrity or an athlete hitting uh, this a makeup if, or a mock-up, if you will, of the Liberty Bell. And it's a big deal. And uh, they've created a nice tradition with that. And the other day, Philly slugger Bryce Harper did it. And the crowd didn't know. And the response of the crowd was just incredible. And Harper was at the receiving end of that 20,000 plus that I'm talking about. And uh, it's neat to see. I mean, it, it, the electricity flows through you. And that's how it was around Iverson, where you were down there right next to the huddle uh, in those big moments for those big games. And you know, that's where some of the passion and the energy comes from when, you know, that, that, that's natural. And that's what makes it so fun. In being up close for that, did you did you get to hear the the Iverson trash talk or other guys trying to trash talk Iverson? Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean like, yeah, and yeah, and it's like being next to the huddle. I I heard all those Larry Brown huddles, but you never were like, so they're going to run a screen roll. You know what I mean? You never really <laughs> brought that. You know, it's just uh, part of having your antenna up of of being there and. Oh, yeah, Allen going up against Gary Payton or, or Kobe. And that's the thing that you lose a little bit now that we're, we're seated off the court, and I get it. It's for tickets. It's not just in Philadelphia. It's basically almost every arena in the NBA. They've lifted the announcers off the floor, and we were on the court in prime real estate, and now they sell that real estate. Uh, and I get it. And But what you missed a lot of times was the facial reaction. Now there are a few places where we still get to sit on the court and it's almost like you want a, a fantasy. You'll get to sit courtside in an NBA game. You know, you're, like, you're really fired up because it's, uh, it's a treat to be able to be down there. And you miss, you miss some of that when you're, when you're up. Like I'll find something out on social media or on television or reading the paper or after the game. Like, oh, really? I, I was at that game. Mike Scott took a drink out of a fan's beverage in Milwaukee. And, said, oh. and then you see it and you're like, oh, what about Beverage, you know, there are a lot of things that you miss when you're not right there. Uh, but oh yeah, you, you could hear a lot of that. Hey, and unfortunately, you heard some of the things that were directed toward Allen uh, over the years on the on the sidelines. But uh, yeah, that he he definitely he was a lightning rod in a lot of ways. And, uh, you could hear a lot of that trash talk during the course of the game. The Catch and Shoot podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 